0: Welcome to Leave Your Mark, where I explore the influences that have shaped the lives of our incredible guests. These are the stories of lives worth talking about. Follow me on Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, or link up with me on my Facebook fan page at Scott G. My goal is to create a community of people who take every opportunity to live high-performing lives. Before I get started on today's podcast, I want to take a moment to connect you with my sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com. Reconditioning is a method and language of integrated practice. It brings the worlds of therapy and conditioning together and helps them become more powerful and more practical. If you live in one or both of these worlds or you use the services of a therapist or conditioning coach, you know that sometimes they don't see eye to eye. They aren't on the same page reconditioning provides a time-tested process for aligning these two worlds and creating impactful solutions to performance problems follow them at reconditioning hq on twitter instagram and facebook or become a member of their facebook group reconditioning hq revolution and join the reconditioning revolution i want to take a minute to connect you to our newest sponsor Zenkai sports who are here with a question for you why do we sweat Our body is perfectly designed to cool us down, but most apparel companies use moisture-wicking fabrics that remove our sweat, which makes us overheat faster and actually hurts our performance. Zenkai uses cutting-edge technology that repels sweat and other liquids. Zenkai Apparel lets the sweat stay on your skin, keeping you cool for longer and repelling odor-causing bacteria. This means Zenkai Apparel can be worn 10, 15, 20 times with no washing required. This lowers your carbon footprint and saves money so you can be a hero with your planet and your family. Join the revolution for better apparel technology. What's in your ZNA? We've partnered with Zenkai, so if you head over to www.zenkaisports.com and use the discount code LYM20 you'll get 20% off your entire order. Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm Scott Livingston and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Meeta Singh. Meeta is a sleep doctor whose work and research focuses on coaching the sleep muscle. She works with individual athletes and sports teams to maximize their performance through better sleep. She also helps sports teams and athletes with their travel management with a focus on addressing sleep deprivation and jet lag. And she transcends this work with C-suite executives helping them enhance their sleep and improve productivity. Mita is the service chief of sleep medicine and section head and medical director at the Henry Ford Sleep Laboratory in Michigan. She did her training in psychiatry at the Mayo Clinic and a sleep fellowship at the Henry Ford Hospital. She has served as a consultant for multiple NFL, MLB, NHL, and NBA teams. She has also worked with college sports teams across the U.S. Her passion is lecturing and educating teams and athletes about the benefits of sleep on performance. She is also a speaker at national conferences aimed at educating sports leaders and business organizations about this subject. She is also a mother of three children. I am truly honored to have her on the show today. Welcome, Muda. Thank you. So uh, I, I think congratulations are in order. From what I understand, you were uh, involved in this recent uh, World Series team win for the Nationals. So congratulations.
1: Thank you very much thank you yeah that''s it's it's, uh, it, it's an amazing honor uh, you know to be allowed to contribute to um, any team and you know the World Series is that, that was a phenomenal matchup I think
0: mm-hmm. how did how did uh, it feel to sort of contribute in essence what is what does that feel like for you to contribute uh, when something like that that special happens
1: well I so you know I would like to break it up into two, three parts. So the first is that, um, you know, for full disclosure, I do work with, um, uh, you know, a few Major League Baseball teams. And so um, when you work with the team and it's it's now reached the postseason, the stakes sort of become higher. Mm-hmm. And so when you're and, and at that point, uh, you know, it's it's a it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. but but for me i'm just doing what i normally do right so no, normally i'm i'm advising them about their schedules or taking care of any any sleep issues that they may have and um what i really liked about working specifically with the uh, with the nationals was that the the performance team uh were really involved in how it, and they wanted uh, me to work as closely as possible and in as much detail as I wanted, mm. and so that was interesting because you know whatever I whatever information I send them, you know they would take and they would present it to the players. Mm. So so uh, so that was you know it's always nice when you're working with people who who are receptive of you know of uh, whatever advice you're giving them mm. and and remember um, you know. Elite athletes, there there are a lot of topics competing for their attention. So mm-hmm. to be able to uh, to have them pay attention to sleep, which in my opinion, of course, is very important, but you know may not that be may not be as important to them. So that was that was a nice feeling right there. Mm-hmm. And and um, oh, you know it, while. Once the series were playing like once they started the postseason, it was also nerve wracking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have to say. Uh and I will confess that sometimes I'd go to bed because I, you know, couldn't stay up late enough to watch the games. And so it was a very pleasant surprise to know that they had made it to the next series and you know, was participating in that.
0: Um I was going to ask you how did you sleep <laughs> I,
1: I so I, I have to say I slept really well, except for that last game that last game uh you know that final game and 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 this was a very close matchup i, I if you were watching it
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and you know and I, and i always I always say that it's only when the matchups are between equally elite teams, when things like luck or you know Small things like who spe- got an entire night of sleep matter, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because you know, luck is luck is only important if the competition is between two elite teams. I mean, if the nationals were playing against um, a little league team, luck would be irrelevant. It mm-hmm. would it wouldn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so so in the you know in game five, we lost the uh, uh, the match. And um, uh, the Astros won, they boarded a fl- They won the game, they boarded a flight and flew back to Houston while the Washington Nationals spent the night in Washington, got a full night of sleep, were well-rested when they boarded the plane to fly to um, Houston. And mm-hmm. we won the next two games. Wow. And so, I, you know, I, it, the, the, it may seem like a very minor thing, but I think that helped.
0: hmm I'm going to circulate back to that very subject as we kind of weave along here, but I want to yes. s- sort of swing back a little bit. Um, the reason why I asked that question is the I'm interested in what, what in your heart sings about what it is that you do. Like you obviously ha- have the technical and intellectual acumen from all the years of study and what you do, but there's there's always a driver in people for why they explore this? What is it in you that made you explore this and, and want to become an expert and want to, to, to work in this kind of area? What, 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 what drives it in you?
1: So I, I think we might have to go back a little bit mm-hmm. to answer that question. So, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, I finished, like you said, I finished my training in psychiatry, came to the Henry Ford Sleep Disorder Center, started a sleep fellowship, And uh, most people do a year fellowship while I decided to do two years because I wanted to do, the second year was going to be focused on research. And, um, you know, the research department at Henry Ford Sleep Disorder Center is is pretty phenomenal. So I wanted to be part of it. And it was during my second year of sleep fellowship that I I found out I was pregnant with twins. Mm. And so... I had to make one of those tough decisions women have to make, which is that I had to um, shut the lid on my, uh, still to develop research career, Mm -hmm. and then decided to work part-time as a sleep clinician and raise my children. And, And I did that for a few years until my children became older, but I'd always had these ideas of using sleep science and using it as a way to optimize and help people become healthier and more productive. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, so, so, and because I lived in, because I live in Detroit, I was working with, you know, the top, um, the three auto companies, this, the executives there who were traveling. And then uh, a few years ago, you know, I, I did the jet lag planning for the mayor of Detroit when he and his team went to Asia and I helped them with jet lag. And, you know, around that time, I came across some presentation about sleep and athletic performance and, um. And uh, and that just just I found that fascinating. Now I have to tell you, I myself am not very athletic, mm-hmm. and I did not grow up in the U.S. and therefore I don't know much about, um, you know, this sports like baseball and mm-hmm. football. Mm-hmm. And so so I it it happened really fortunately because I basically cold called the team physician for the local NFL team. Hmm. And I called him to say, um, I heard somebody, uh, you know, speak on the radio. They were talking about, it was a so-called sleep expert talking about, uh, you know, something they were saying to the, uh, they were advising the local NFL team, which was complete rubbish, not based on science. (laughs) So, so I, I called up the team physician and, and, you know, he picks up the phone and he says, well, fantastic. Do you want to come give us a presentation? Wow. And, um, so his name is Dr. Michael Workings. And I, and I have to tell you, like he has played such a pivotal role in my career because in any sort of sport, um, you know, there are gatekeepers in, Mm -hmm. especially in, um, in any like large organization, which has, you know, very high stakes, like, you know, they're gatekeepers that sort of keep out somebody from, you know, unwanted traffic from coming in, right? That's what the definition of gatekeepers was, mm-hmm. is. And, and Dr. Workings, by asking me to come give him a presentation, sort of opened the door for me to come give them a talk. Mm. So this is about six, seven years ago. And uh, uh, and, and this, this, you know, so, so I went and gave a presentation and I have to tell you, uh, of course I've been working now in this field for so many, you know, for a few years, I now work with, as you said, multiple teams, but, you know, you realize the more you learn, you realize how less you knew. Is that, you know?
0: <laughs> how little you knew at one point. Yes. And, right, still, right. and, and still do to a degree. And
1: yes. Yes. And you're always <laughs> learning. And so, so here I am, you know, I go give a presentation, to the team, and, you know, I put together a presentation. And, I, of course, I know sleep quite well. So I give them a presentation. I come back, and this is a true story. I come back. I'm, I'm sitting with my husband, and my husband's born and raised in Detroit, you know, mm-hmm. like football fan, <laughs> Major League Baseball fan. So he are, he's a physician, too, and he asked me, he so says, like, well, so what are you doing? I said, you know, there's this, one of the players asked me this very interesting question. And um, he said, oh, what's his name? And I said, I said his name is Matthew Stafford. Hmm. And he said, "Oh, he, oh, you know that's the quarterback." <laughs> and I said, "I said, what's a quarterback?" <laughs> <laughs> and and my husband, I mean, he looked what the correct word would be aghast. Like he was horrified. <laughs> and he says, "He says, honey, you, I have you have to learn football before you go back there. You you know." But anyway, um, you know, just to give you an idea of how. It, it was, it was kind of new for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, and over the years, of course, I've, I've learned quite a bit, you know, I've learned the sport and I've learned more and more about sleep when it comes to, you know, their schedules, etc. And I have to say, Dr. Workings, you know, and, and, and Dean Kleinschmidt, he's, uh, he was the then head athletic trainer, really helped me you know learn how to speak to athletes and learn more about them
0: that's awesome um so i'm i'm listening to you and i hear the passion in your voice are you more passionate about problem solving or are you more passionate about helping and they're kind of different you know like you, do you want to help people or are you more interested in sort of the solution finding mechanism of what you do
1: I I think now I've never thought of that before, but uh, I'm I'm going to give you another long winded answer. And, and, you know, we can, (laughs) we can then, we can then decide uh, what it is. I will tell you what I learned. So I I started this and I slowly started working in this field. And I realized early on that I am all, I've always been the kind of person who likes to play the long game Mm. You know, so I, 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 I care about the long run. So, so, I would say helping people would be, or ha- is, would would take, um, would be above, mm-hmm. you know, solving problems. I think solving problems is part of helping people only, right, right. and you know, so I, I would say, you know. In my career, uh, I've been persistent. You know, I've realized I've realized um, I have to take risks sometimes. like you know, like I, I will call organizations asking them if they want a sleep uh, speaker about sleep science, et etc. So uh, but, but working in this field is really about building trust mm-hmm. and that you can do your focus has to be helping people mm-hmm. does that
0: does mm-hmm. that yeah makes sense Wait, where did you grow up by the way
1: uh, well i so i i went to a british boarding school till about eighth grade i did all my medicals my high school and medical school in india before i came to Det- uh mayo clinic
0: okay. to do
1: so so the games that I would like, you know, I am a, the sports that I like would be cricket,
0: cricket and football
1: or, or football. Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, um, you know, tennis, um, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera.
0: That's awesome. Um, what did you, like, what did you dream of when you were, what, what did you want to be when you were a little girl or did you, did you dream of being something when you were a little girl?
1: Well, I, for sure. I remember wanting to be a physician and I was um, uh, while growing up, I was, you know, I was a bookish, you know, book smart, Mm. uh, hardworking um, uh, child. And I, you know, I I did well in school and went into medical school and really liked, I wanted to do either psychiatry or neurology and Mm. Um, you know, preferred psychiatry because I felt one could um, help people more. I want to say, you know, I, I, not, not to, you know, in no way um, taking away from what neurologists do. They do a lot. But if you ever work in the field of neurology, uh, you're very limited with how you can help people. You mm-hmm. know, and things have changed. And I, I remember I went to, I did my training almost 20 years ago. So mm-hmm. You know, things have changed. And then, um, so did sleep, uh, did psychiatry. And remember, oh, the other thing to remember is sleep is a behavior. Mm-hmm. And so it, it completely sort of ties in and, and started doing sleep. And sleep is fascinating. And mm-hmm. it's always been fascinating. I mean, you know, if you interview people who've made sleep science uh, what they do, for a living i think you can clearly say i mean they they really enjoy it i really do enjoy it mm-hmm. so it's, you know it's fun and the 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 athletes you know that just sort of happened uh but you know it happened uh, just fortunately it just happened and i you know working in this field uh there was Sometimes there were some things that were a little more difficult for me. So for example, being a woman, uh, I, I was initially, I was not very comfortable being very visible Mm. at work. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, or uh, like, I'm not very good at doing (laughs) self-promotion. And, uh, but the, but the problem is that, you know, slowly over time, I've realized we, we don't live or work in a vacuum. Mm. So, so, although for the longest, like for the first four, four, three, four years that I was doing this work, I really didn't talk about it mm-hmm. at all. And then, you know, somebody would give an interview and, you know, some head coach would talk about how I helped that team and, you know, I, I slowly got, I got comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah I'm, I'm interested
0: in that can I just pivot on that for a yes. second because yes. it's, what, what I find interesting and I'm curious whether you've ever thought about it th- at all and maybe it's going to be the first time you've actually thought of it this way but you know the characteristically when you're getting, going through education and you get into sort of a research research mindset you're you're looking at building and formulating expertise and then there's this transcendence point where you know you're taking that expertise and you're delivering it and to to in in a place with people and trying to bring that across to people so now you've got relational elements to that you've Uh got you know it's about building relationships forging trust etc so was there a transition for you or have you always had an innate comfort with the relational side of who you are or was that a challenge to you when you first started doing some of the consulting and stuff that you were doing?
1: Well, I'll tell you that there is a combination of both. So obviously, when one works in psychiatry, Mm -hmm. there is, you know, you build, hopefully, if you're a good psychiatrist, you have the ability to build relationships and develop a rapport with people you're working. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because the the field of athletes was so new to me, you know you really one has to build an ecosystem mm-hmm. around yourself that'll help you succeed mm-hmm. and and you know you want to you want to surround yourself with people who will who sort of share your goals and they want you to succeed and can yet happily give you feedback
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and and so you know and that's how you come up with. Solution so I, you know what you said something a minute ago really resonated with me and I and I'll give you a few examples to s- how uh, You know how I think I uh, Changed over the over the last few years because I was a stick-in-the-mud clinician and a researcher right mm-hmm. and then I I got, come into this and I'm now working with athletes these are young uh, young men or women And, and that is, this is where, you know, a few people really helped me. So I quickly learned that the athletic trainers can really be, be very good allies. They know the players really well. And so I, I, you know, again, I'll, these two uh, athletic trainers who are now very good friends of mine. And one of them, of course, is Kevin Bastien. He was the head athletic trainer at the Detroit Lions. Mm -hmm really wise, very patient man. And I'll tell you an example of, you know, of rapport building. And so at some point, I remember I was talking about, we're talking about how to strategically use caffeine as an alerting agent. And, you know, players often consume a lot of caffeine without realizing it. And I remember suggesting how maybe we should use caffeine pills, because I've used that, you know, in clinic or in research settings. And, and, and Kevin, I mean, he just stopped me and very gently shook his head and basically gave me at least three or four very cogent reason, reasons why it was a very bad idea that, you know, what I was going to suggest. <laughs> and, and, but, but you see, that sort of feedback was very good for me. Because, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, that, you know, it, it's best to shoot down such ideas right there and then. So that I can come up with you know, better solutions to take to uh, when I was actually presenting to the field. And then, and so, you know, and this was just one, I, one example, but building that relationship with Kevin Bastien and that athletic trainer group and the strength and conditioning coach helped me uh, take those ideas complex ideas, and, and simplify them and present it to the players. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: uh, absolutely. Well, I mean, a, I,
1: If I can give another yeah, example. So, yeah, sure. so when I first started working with Major League Baseball, um, Kevin Rand, he was the head athletic trainer at the first Major League Baseball team I was working with. And, you know, he would all, always say to me, the solution has to always fit into our schedule. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. And, and again, this is sometimes, you know, we can have um, like an expertise bias mm-hmm. because, and I, I, I remember that a few years ago, the, one of the major leagues, uh, you know, I'm not going to say which one, but send out a email and they asked like the top sleep, a few stop sleep scientists to look over their schedule and give them advice. And I remember this one uh, really nice, um, really good scientist says, uh, basically told them you have to cancel 50% of the games if you want player, <laughs> you know, uh, players to do well and to be healthy. Now, I'm pretty sure that the league basically binned that recommendation right they threw it in the trash because <laughs> if your if your solutions are not practical they're not simple they're not easy to follow i don't care how, how science based they are mm-hmm. nobody's going to follow them and so so i think in my long-winded way i'm you know i'm trying to um, put together what you asked me and uh, uh, that yeah you know it it is a bil- it is a way of building rapport Building relationship, taking complex things, which you know complex situations have complex solutions, and yet simplifying them, and then presenting them to uh, players, and 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 to have the ability to have a conversation with them.
0: Mm-hmm. I I want to unpack, um, you know the. The learning from being becoming a mom because i'm sure you you went into that moment prior with you know your scientific beliefs your your ideal uh, viewpoints on sleep sleep you know and good sleep sleep quality obviously we all know that as parents that that becomes probably one of the most challenging environments of our lives around sleep so what did you learn when you became a mom about what you'd learned <laughs> about sleep going into and, and what, what changed in your viewpoint after you, you became a mom?
1: So, you know, the one thing I, I will say that being a mother, um, you know, and working, uh, you know, it takes a village. And I, I, you know, my husband, my husband's family, my own extended family, and I also have a, a, a nanny who's been with me for 15 years. So mm. who basically God sent her to me, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, they really, it really, really did help. But mm. being, you know, being that sleep deprived, being um, being a mother myself, oftentimes I have to say, I, I just approached it as a novice mother. You know, I wasn't, I don't think I was using any of my scientific <laughs> background in in approaching mm. my life at that point. And in fact, I I remember, you know, being sleep deprived. I remember being out of my depths. I remember being, you know, vulnerable while raising them. And, and you know, and as time goes by, of course you get more and more comfortable with that with that job. Mm. Um It's, uh, you know, it, uh, it, I guess there is, it's not a fairy tale, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely not a fairy tale. And it's just, it was just work. You, you know, wake up in the morning, take care of the children, go to work, come back and life just goes on. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, good, happy, healthy children, touch Mm -hmm. wood. Mm
0: Mm-hmm it's interesting listening to you and I just thought of this as I was listening uh, of an analogy or sort of metaphor for for what you just discussed it's kind of like and and I'm interested you'll see where I'm going here with this Mm -hmm. into the work that you do uh, with the teams but you know when when you go into parenthood uh, you kind of mentioned this I I didn't really necessarily link into my science and I just kind of Th- thrived in the situation as best I mm-hmm. could, which you know I kind of uh, analogized to you. You know, a boat sinks; you're out in the water, and you're you start panicking. You're swimming. You're doing the best you can. Da 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 da. And then there's this moment where you need to pause and sort of reboot, take a breath, and understand that if you keep swimming like that, you're going to drown because you're yep. panicking. So, in the mm-hmm. same way, when you look at pro sports, I would imagine that. You, you know, people are in more of a reactive kind of sympathetic, manage the environment kind of mindset. And you almost have to push the, the button of, hey, take a pause, reflect. You can do this better, but it takes a little bit of a, a moment of pause and consideration to do that. Has is, is, is that been your experience? or?
1: Yes, yes. I think you put it, you know, I think that may actually differentiate uh you know the very good teams from teams who are you know maybe middling the Mm -hmm. fact that very good teams try to you know it's 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 a very fine balance between going with the flow and yet trying to control you know small things like with schedules etc to the best of their abilities Mm you know, because there's, there's, there's only so much you can do. And, um, and, and and, uh, like I said, it's not, it's not a fairy tale. So it's not, you know, A doesn't always um, lead up to B. You can always have, have step-by-step plans, you know, and, and you may have the commitment, you may have, you know, put the hard work in, uh, and teams often willing to put themselves in uncomfortable situations, et cetera. And sometimes they have to because of their game schedules, but they also have to kind of step back and and allow things to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, a short break here to tell you about our sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com. Reconditioning is for treatment skills and protocols and training methods and exercises like an operating system on a smartphone is for applications. Fundamentally, reconditioning brings the worlds of therapy and performance preparation together in one systematic process that makes treatment and training systems more efficient and effective. Level 1 takes you through the fundamental assessment process and gives you a tactical approach to eliminate any issue that stands in the way of your client's progress towards quality movement and a healthy and high-performing state. Level 2 goes deep on context, analyzing and understanding variable movement patterns, gaining clarity on key movement attributes, and being exceptionally precise about your interventions and strategies. It then links to the overall preparation program and becomes deeply considered of the context of that program and the environments of preparation. Finally, our Reconditioning Specialist Mentorship is a completely virtual experience you can engage in from the comfort of your home that allows you to benefit from our 50 years of professional practice in a high-quality community of practitioners. This eight-week program walks you through how to apply this powerful operating system in your environment and your circumstances. Irons out all the question marks and ensures you are ready to deliver the most effective reconditioning practice to your clients. Head over to reconditioninghq.com to see what our next courses are being held and when our next mentorship is starting. Join the reconditioning revolution. Well, I actually want to uh, play off of that to that original point you made at the beginning, which I'm curious about and. I, I don't know how much uh, research you did in coming to do the podcast with me, but I worked in the National Hockey League for 11 seasons, so I know mm-hmm. the world of uh, pro sports quite intimately. You, know, you talked about a, a very uh, classic decision-making process that often happens in pro sports, which is this decision to sleep over in the city that you play in or mm-hmm. to um, fly that night. Mm -hmm. Um, and i've always believed intuitively that sleeping over is the best thing now i think one of the reasons why a lot of teams sleep over when we look at the historical context context is that back in the 60s 70s guys drank a lot more when they played sports Mm -hmm. they don't as much anymore and so it became this kind of way of calving off their ability to go out and play for the evening afterwards Mm -hmm. Um, but it's become a kind of a habitual choice and i'm curious Based on what you've experienced now, do you think it's better to sleep over in the city of play uh, to your best ability and travel the next day, or do you think it's better to fly and get to your home or to the next town or what have you?
1: Well, I think I think it's dictated by two things. Number one, it's definitely dictated by schedule, right? If you have mm-hmm. a back-to-back game, mm-hmm. you have to leave because right. the league, most leagues, require you to be in that city immediately after the game's done. So that's, you know, that's out of your your hand. Mm -hmm. The second is that I, you know, the sleep science will say that you always should try to get a full night of sleep before you travel. Now, Mm -hmm. what you're talking about is that second element in which, you know, unless your players and the teams are educated about why we are making this decision of spending that extra night there. And, you know, unless they know that, you know, ultimately you can give them the facts, but they still have to decide whether they want to go out in the town and drink Mm -hmm. or they take that extra time to get Mm sleeping. Right. And then of course, you know, the individual things, like, I'll tell you, sometimes what players will say, they actually sleep better on the road. They sleep better on the road because they have less distractions,
0: mm.
1: you know. And so they might say that. On the other hand, some players will say they'd rather come home and, because they want to come home to their, to their families, you mm. know. So they want to stay home. So I think, I think that you look at the entire schedule, you start out by educating the players and telling them you want them to maximize their rest. You give them the how-to, you, you know, talk to them about what you want them to do, but ultimately they have to make up, they have to decide what they're going to do. Sleep mm-hmm. is something private that happens in your bedroom, mm-hmm. you know? And so that ultimately what the player decides, how they they spend that extra time that they have depends on them.
0: Yeah. And well, so, that's, it's interesting listening to you that, on that. And I'm just kind of interested And I don't think that there's a hard answer to this in any way, shape, or form, but you've got the sleep science, you've got the team, and then you have the individual differences framework. So the team obviously is dictated, to your point, by schedule, things like this, and and sort of what is the preference based on coaching and all these things. Then you have these individual difference propositions. So the -hmm. sleep science might say you you have a better, as an example, a better chance of getting a quality sleep by staying over, but... Three quarters of the team prefers to travel because they want to see their kids in the morning. In, right. You know, so those right. are s- some of the big challenges, right?
1: Right, right, right. They are. So like I said, so you know, so complex situations need complex solutions. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have to take all of these into consideration and then decide what the solution is. And then, you know, obviously when it's such a large team. You're not going to please everybody. Mm-hmm. But if you can give them options, you know, if you'd say that, you know, uh, there are, these are the five games and out of these five games, for the, these three games, would, the preference would be that you spend the night there because the, the three games that come after that are really important games. And we want you to feel rested, well rested before you go into that game. That might make a difference, mm-hmm. right? And then, of course, you know, uh, the reason you know there can be there can be team examples, you know team solutions. But then there always are individual solutions that you can you can give. And I, I like to you know I like to divide the the teams, individual players into uh, players who are like night owls versus morning people. Because even that you can make some changes. You know, strategically use light or. Uh, you know, ex- exercise or activity to help shift their clock somehow, and then, and then you know the one thing we haven't talked about is that, uh, you know, the, uh, coming back to that original um, statement you had about building relationships and building rapport, you know, if you if you want to help, if one wants to help individual a- individual athletes, those conversations have to be they have to be clear they have to be candid they have to be honest mm-hmm. they have to be open ended conversations mm-hmm. you know when i'm seeing a patient in the clinic i have a limited time and you know i have a sort of a framework of all the questions i want to answer but and when i'm talking to athletes i have a rough framework of the things i want to cover but there's also an open-ended part of that conversation, because you never know where that conversation is going to go, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and 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 so you and you have to build that trust because when people are talking to you about sleep issues or anxiety issues or you know whatever is preventing them from getting a good night's sleep or if they're you know tired the next day, they unless you have a good you know, unless you can, you have a good relationship with them and you can establish that trust, they're not going to talk to you about it. Mm. And uh, if you've played in the NHL, you know, you would, you know, it's, sometimes I feel that athletes are hesitant to talk about their fatigue issues or their tiredness with some people because they don't want to not play. Right. Right. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. Right. Yeah. So
1: they, they, you know, so they, they, they'd they rather not seek help. They'd rather not draw attention to the fact that there is something that might prevent them from playing, but then that just compounds the problem. And so, so the, you know, working with athletes is a fine balance between, you know, building that trust you know, giving them medic- medically or scientifically accurate information, and yet uh, hoping that they, you know, that they they're able to trust you with with what mm-hmm. their issues are. Because once you know the issues, then they're easier to then you can help resolve them.
0: I'm wondering if you've if you've noticed a, intuitively a difference between what I would call warrior based athletes, the football players, the hockey players, where there's an actual combative element to the sport versus You know, baseball or cricket or tennis or something where there's, there is no combative element you're playing, but you're not, you're not sort of taking your life in your hands, so to speak. Um, Do you notice a difference in sleep dysfunction in those, those two different kinds of athletes? Here again with another word from our sponsors Zenkai Sports who want to let you in on a little secret. Performance apparel hasn't changed much in the last 20 years. Most apparel is still based on moisture-wicking synthetics which not only make you more overheat faster but are toxic for your body and the environment. Synthetics don't biodegrade. So that stinky workout shirt you have to throw out after 6 months, it lasts for thousands of years in landfills. Zenkai is the only cotton-based training apparel on the market keeping your body safe from those scary petroleum-based synthetics found in most workout gear and giving you that extra edge when it counts. Be a part of the solution and join the revolution for better apparel technology at www.zenkaisports.com. What's in your ZNA? For 20% off your entire order, please use the discount code LYM20.
1: I'll I'll say I, 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 I dichotomize players in two different ways you know the first is you're absolutely right so in collision sports and you know yes there there may be a higher level of stress associated with that and with with that higher level of stress that higher level of you know just physiological arousal while you're on the field that is going to take a longer time for you to wind down and relax and be able to fall asleep and, and oftentimes, like Major League Baseball or cricket, they, they may be, you know, it, it's, a, it's a different atmosphere, mm-hmm. as you know, you know, and they're, they may be more relaxed, right? Mm-hmm. But I also, the other dichotomy I see is between the younger and the older players. And I, I you know, the, you know, well-established older players who are leaders, Often are more relaxed. They know what works for them. They're not in a rush to get to the ballpark or to the you know to the court or to the uh, the ice rink, and they know when they want to nap. They know they know what works for them or not, right? But oftentimes younger players, especially the younger players I've been seeing in the last few you know in the last couple of years or so, I mean I've seen players who. Um, you know, these are, these are kids who never grew up without a phone in their hands. Mm -hmm. So they've never, they've never actually gone to bed without having a telephone that they check consistently in the middle of the night.
0: Right.
1: (laughs) And, 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 you know, when I asked them, well, well, what time do you go to sleep? I don't know. Well, what time do you wake up? Uh, Whenever, like they don't have these set schedules. And, uh, you know, if I, I feel that oftentimes when, you know, players, when they, when they, you know, if, if they've come from a broken home, they've grown up without a father figure, uh, their mother was working, you know, and they it, the, the first time they, they saw a coach in college is the first time they saw a father figure. When when you see players like that, you know, they may not be that mentally mature, but especially I, I find that the, you know they they may never have had the structure to develop good sleep habits
0: mm.
1: does that make sense so, you yeah, know for sure and and so uh, i have noticed that that uh you know it's particularly uh you know and i, I know most of the leagues are trying you know they' re- they really are focusing on <laughs> athlete mental health and um You know players' overall health, and really that that work on that mental health, etc., should begin before they even get to the league.
0: Do you? um, I'm very curious, just um, circumstantially with sports athletes, but you can comment on executives as well. Do you focus like on your first sort of volley of? Change because obviously, if you try to change everything, it becomes very difficult. Do you go after quantity, quality, or prep, preparation, and sort of debrief after sleeping? What, what, is, what is your sort of golden rule, or do you have one around what you go after in the beginning with somebody's sleep?
1: So, typically, when I, you know, if I go into a team, I always give a sleep, uh, uh, you know, a presentation, mm-hmm. I, and it is you know, this is one thing I've learned, you know, I, I'm, the, you know, I always over-prepare for my presentations. I mean, I will read every paper, etc. but they don't want to know. They don't, you know, and that's something if I realized that they don't need to know what a good scientist I am. I just have to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. I have to make it simple to understand and I have to be able to hold their attention. Mm-hmm. And after I give, but I, I, I firmly believe in talking a little bit about the science in a very simple way, because once the players get that, mm-hmm. they start understanding their own physiology. Right. And I, I, I probably will not use the word physiology when I'm talking <laughs> to them. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And then, and then, and then, you know, then I would, I, I would focus on not more than two or three things. That I, I would like them to work on. And mm. I'll tell you that when you give a talk, you know, people will stand up and they will ask you questions. And those questions will direct what the next step should be. Mm. Right? So, so if athletes are getting up and they're talking about how, you know, you know, the, how they get on a plane all every time and they're so wound up after they can't and they can't fall asleep, well then, then the focus has to be on developing. Winding down schedules,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? If the athletes wake up and they talk about how it's you know the practice is really early in the morning and they they're just not enough hours in the day, then the focus has to be on how you find time, you know, how to maybe go to bed maybe twenty minutes earlier, mm-hmm. maybe put that phone away and not play that last video game, and you know maybe you know take a short nap in the in the mid afternoon. So. So the you know the recommendation always is based on uh, the feedback that you one gets when you're talking to them.
0: Very cool. What, <coughs> what is the you know if you call a couple of the big big animals these days in in the sleep world, what is the current sort of viewpoint around digital um, and its influence on? Uh, per, per changing sleep quality and when it should be sort of disengaged from um, before you go to sleep. Is there now a current philosophy around that or belief? Right. Are you are you
1: talking about just digital in general? Are you talking about me- uh, digital that is says that it's measuring sleep for you?
0: No, so digital in general. Like you're you're you talked about phone, like playing with your phone, playing with games, playing. You know all these influences on.
1: on I the think answer. the. O- I think the overall consensus is that they're bad for your sleep and they're bad, you know, and they're bad for your sleep because of two things. Number one, these, you know, they're backlit led devices and that light from this, these devices will actively suppress um, secretion of melatonin, which is a hormone that signals your brain, you're ready to sleep. Mm. But they also, I mean, they consume, they're just time consuming devices. They're Mm -hmm. interactive um, they're, d- they're designed to make you play more. I, I always say this, uh, you know, it's like going to the buffet. You never walked away from a buffet table thinking you didn't eat enough. You know, you, you've never, got, you know, gotten onto Instagram or Twitter and, and thought, well, I didn't spend enough time on there because mm-hmm. it, it consumes time. Right. And so, you know, I, I, are they going to go away? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I, you know, so because they're not going to go away, I think then this is why education is important Mm -hmm. because, you know, educating the team and, you know, a compromise in which maybe can you put it away an hour or 45 minutes before your bedtime and, and do, you know, winding down techniques that do not involve electronics. So, you know, it's all a matter of, of coming up with solutions that work. Mm -hmm. Knowing that uh, you know the uh, the players are going to be using these electronics.
0: What if you could synthesize? And I know it's a big ask, but the what well, you would consensus around the top three biggest challenges for an executive in mm. in um, in changing their sleep quality. Um, what have you noticed would be the big the big animals there that people do wrong.
1: Well, I think the first is that we're working in a 24-7 society, you mm-hmm. know, uh, especially with the execs that I work here. Often they work globally and because they work globally, there's, there's, you know, and if they have global offices, some offices are always working mm-hmm. and, you know, some e- they're always going to get some email and so it's it's a you know it's a rabbit hole that you can go down very rapidly so if you Mm -hmm. get up you start you reach over look at the phone uh well then you then it's just all better off of you know you going back to sleep
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that's number one number two is i you know i sometimes i think that the Actually, I shouldn't say use the word. Sometimes I should say most of the times. I feel <laughs> I, most most of the time. I feel that you know executives are driving themselves very hard all through the day. Hmm. And is that is that telephone bothering you?
0: No, it's okay. Okay.
1: So so because because they're driving themselves and they're going at such a hard pace it's so difficult for them to sort of unwind, relax, and let go. Mm-hmm. And the third thing I would say is that, uh, you know, because they're, and it's in continuation of this driving themselves, because, they're, because we live in such a results-oriented world, uh, we, we almost have a competition about sleep ourselves. hmm you know i mean you know to have an occasional night of poor sleep is perfectly fine if i am a sleep scientist and i'm telling you it's fine it's when you start stressing about it and when you develop you stress about your sleep and actually develop performance anxiety about sleep itself that makes things worse and we often do that they often do that so in fact you know apart from everything and i i every every player every team every executive i work with i talk about meditation Mm. and i talk about meditation because it you know it it helps us develop even-mindedness and being even-keeled in a world that's you know Obstacle race, which is an obstacle race. You know, as soon as you're done with one obstacle, here's another one. Mm -hmm. And so, and I really feel that um, if we do that, if we develop those skills during the day, then those, we can carry those skills into the night and use them when we wake up, if we are, have difficulty sleeping at night.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm interested actually on how you've um, sort of, gone into the environments you've gone into and recognized and what you've done about it and maybe it's been part of your strategy but having worked in the national hockey league that uh, and 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 pro sport mm-hmm. and sport in general i recognize that quite often the coaches and the support professionals are Mm -hmm. espousing better sleep strategies, but they're not actually implementing them in their own lives. Mm -hmm. So you need, you know, this, this idea of having them be almost influencers in the environment, but by their own deportation in that. So do you, do you go after the coaches and the, and the support professionals to get them managing their sleep better so then they also become influencers from, by well, by experience in some sense. Well
1: first of all I have to say that is a very insightful comment and that can only come from an insider. <laughs> so you're you're absolutely right. You know it looks so glamorous from the outside and it is absolutely not. And you're you're absolutely right, especially I mean especially the NFL. I mean the coaches mm-hmm. sometimes you know, as you're well aware, get like three or four hours i mean, mm-hmm. and they play one game a week see here's here's the thing the the biggest the biggest impediment to any sort of progress or any sort of change is saying that this is how it's always been done
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so you know yes, it's important to you know talk to athletic trainers, to coaches, etc., and to repeatedly talk to them. And, I, you know, to me, it's very important because of two things. Number one, A, they're older. And mm. because they're older, they're more susceptible to the health effects, detrimental effects of, you know, this chronic sleep deprivation and circadian misalignment that happens because of all this constant travel. Mm. But also... Also, you know, coaches do mental work, right? So one of the things you do as a coach is you take in new information, you put it, you know, together with prior, in, in, you know, previously stored information, and then you come up with novel solutions. Well, guess what? When is that, all that process? That happens when you're sleeping. Mm. You know, you need sleep to help come up with novel solutions. You need sleep to help you know, learning it, you need sleep to even, even you need sleep for emotional regulation mm-hmm. and, you know, coaches have to, you know, interact with players. They have to be able to manage players emotions. They have to be able to debrief after a bad loss or a great win. Mm-hmm. And, all of these need, uh, you know. You can do better if you've slept well. So, so, so you know, the it's all a matter of, again, like I said, educating them, and it it can't be done. It can't be done in one season, mm-hmm. Scott. It has to be done repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And you're right. You know, you want team at athlete leaders. And coaches, to to show them uh, to you know to to do this behavior, and then and then to show you know junior players, athletes that this this can be done.
0: Well, it's interesting because you know in the uh, in the states in general, there's kind of mm-hmm. a martyrdom, a martyrdom and sort of badge of honor around work, anyways, mm-hmm. and then it yes. just it just gets even bigger when you go to professional sport where right. it's, it's almost like, you know, if I, if I'm at the rink or I'm at the stadium 24 seven and who's in first and who's out last and all these kinds of things that, 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 that sort of everybody has to buy into and it takes, you know, an, a, hot, a heavy influencer to make those kinds of changes. That I got to
1: tell help. you, I, I got to tell you two things mm. based on, you know, it just reminded me of one thing. So I, I remember there's a, and I am not going to name uh, names, but there was a, there is a uh, quarterback. And I remember that he would come in at five o'clock every day in the morning to the fee, uh, to uh, park at the training facility. And I asked him why. And he said, he wants to park before head coach comes in. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you, know, I, I, you know, I, I repeatedly, you know, over the years, you know have talked to him about sleep extension and taking a, a nap and the compromise eventually was that he would he was agreeable to take a short nap in the mid afternoon <clears throat> and he you know he was a morning person and he he uh, would get into bed on time he would put his kids to children to bed and sometimes would go to bed at the same time and so he was getting enough sleep but uh he still till today wants to come in earlier to park before the head coach so yes that mentality is well analyzed mm. i absolutely agree and i the other thing i was going to tell you is that uh you know we we were talking about trust building and that's that's the other thing i uh, you know a few a couple of a couple of years ago i i, I was i was speaking at a podcast and uh Uh, the the interviewer was saying you know was telling asking me about specific players or coaches I've worked with and I I decided a long time ago not that I I I never talk about specifically specific people Mm -hmm. just because of this you know the thing is that if you want to build trust they have to be able to speak to you openly knowing that you know that it's it's going to uh, remain sacred. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I work with a, a lot of, I mean, I, I work on a, on a one-to-one basis to, under, you know, and, and it really gives you a, a really neat insight into their psychology. I mean, you know, athletes and, play, and, and coaches and athletic trainers, they have ample, ample things that will keep them up at night. Mm-hmm you know and and managing that and having the ability to sort of you know go with the flow after you know you've given it your level best is the only way to survive in this world because you could do your level best and still lose mm-hmm. you know like as you know you know mm-hmm. if they oppose you know and so it's it really is a matter of just uh Again, you know, meditation is a superpower here. It can really help people to accept, to be more accepting and, and get out of that complex that you were just describing.
0: I have a, <clears throat> a lot of listeners in the, in the human performance world, um, mm-hmm. like, like ourselves. Um, three or four red flags in your viewpoint that people should be aware of that they are... Not sleeping well and Mm. they need and they need to do something about it. What would you say those are?
1: Okay, so first of all overall If you ever have a niggling doubt that you can't sustain your current lifestyle You know if you if you're thinking that oh my goodness I I, I don't think I can do this six months down the line if i'm going to go i'm if i'm working at this rate, etc That is a clear sign that you're Getting burnt out mm-hmm. that is a good time to stay, take stock of the situation and decide you want to make change gears mm-hmm. in some way rather than have that um, the, you know the, something if you may uh, so that you can take ownership of it right now yourself rather than having it happen to you mm-hmm. so that would be my overall overall uh, uh, recommendation. The other thing of course is that I suggest that people, simple things like, if, if it's going to take you more than 30 to 60 minutes to fall asleep, if you're laying in bed despite adequate opportunity to sleep, if you have difficulty maintaining sleep, if you're worrying about your sleep and you're feeling non-refreshed the next day when you wake up, well, then you should seek help. Mm. And the best way to seek help is to go to your primary care office, physicians' mm. or you know, nurse practitioner's office, okay. and talk to them about it. You know, I think what happens is that pe- because there is a lot of news nowadays about the fact that people are not getting enough sleep and that you need sleep to do well, that itself can be stressful to people. Mm. And, and so you know, don't reach for a sleeping pill. And don't reach for the extra cup of coffee, I mean, you know, just to be cognizant yourself about this.
0: Cool. Well, I've chewed up an hour in your life. Thank you very much for your time. I will leave you with one final question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, <clears throat> what is, what is it your mission at this point? What is it that you're trying to bring to the table for, for people and where are you headed in your life?
1: Well, I, I'm hoping that I continue this work and expand it even further. And I'll tell you, uh, um, I, you know, there are the three A's that I think I have in my favor. One is of course, the ability. The second of course is affability, the ability to, uh, you know, to convey my message in a interesting way, but also availability you know, to make sure that I, I'm there for when people are asking, seeking help. Um, You know, my, my, my long-term goal is to definitely expand on this field and, and, and to continue to do this more and more. But also I, you know, another focus is to work on my own meditation journey, Mm. which is, you know, it's, it's a major focus of my life. And, Uh, I'm really enjoying it.
0: That's awesome. I'm going to finish for you because normally what I do in my podcast is I discovered a book a number of years ago called The Day You Were Born that was written by a woman named Linda Joyce. She's an astrologer and she combined astrology with numerology. And I kind of found my purpose in the document. It's a little fun piece Mm -hmm. that I do. So you are born December 10th and you're a set what's called a Sagittarius one. Mm -hmm. So so she states the purpose of all people in these things. So your purpose is to to develop your individuality and express your unique talents without compromising yourself to the authority, but allowing yourself to surrender to love. To be what we are and to become what we are capable of becoming is the only end of life. R.L. Stevenson. The challenge of the Sagittarius one is is faith in themselves, the ability to walk alone, make their own rules, and survive in spite of the pressure to surrender their uniqueness to the crowd. So there's a little piece for you to finish.
1: That is very well said.
0: So I hope I made you feel comfortable, um, yes. Mita, and I hope you had some fun with this. It was a, a very much a pleasure and an honor to speak with you. And thank
1: to, you. I uh, thought too. I was rambling a little but Hey, you, you're the expert, so I'm going to let you decide what you want to do with this.
0: No, it was no, there was no rambling. It was very, very powerful. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Leave Your Mark. I hope we've left a mark on you today, and we wish only that you pay it forward by sharing this story taking the time to rate and comment on this podcast. Please follow us at Twitter at BuiltByScott Scott and Instagram at KingOpain and become a member of this community at Scott G. Livingston on Facebook. Have a great day. Music by Cedric de Saint-Rome.